Psalm 98. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song, for he has done marvelous things. His right hand and his holy arm have gotten him victory. The Lord has made known his victory. He has revealed his vindication in the sight of the nations. He has remembered his steadfast love and faithfulness to the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the victory of our God. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Break forth into joyous song and sing praises. Sing praises to the Lord with the lyre, with the lyre and the sound of melody. With trumpets and the sound of the horn, make a joyful noise before the King, the Lord. Let the sea roar and all that fills it, the world and those who dwell in it. Let the floods clap their hands, let the hills sing for joy together before the Lord. For he comes to rule the earth. He will judge the world with righteousness and the peoples with equity. Amen. The Constitution of the United Presbyterian Church in the United States of America consists of two books and two parts. The first is the Book of Confessions, and the second, the Book of Order. Now, the Book of Order is subdivided into three parts, the Directory for Worship, the Form of Government, and the Book of Discipline. The first part, the Book of Confession, contains nine different confessions, catechisms, and creeds, and upon these historical documents. Our church helps to find its foundation. One of those nine confessions, catechisms, and creeds is what is known as the Shorter Catechism, that group of 107 questions and answers of systemized theology that was written many, 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 many years ago. Some of you have memorized those questions and answers. The first one is this. Question number one, what is the chief end of man? Remember? And the answer is to question number one. The chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. The United Presbyterian Church, like many Christian churches, is built upon the premise that we are to worship God in praise in praise. We are in to enter into the gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. It is our belief, and I think it is sound psychologically as well as based biblically, that we are people created not only with the potential but with the necessity to practice praise. And if we do not praise, we dry up and do not become the children that God intended us to be. We have been given this unique ability to raise our hands, to lift our voices, to enter into the gates, 
with thanksgiving and into our courts with praise. We must do this. And I think I could go one step further to point out biblically that if we do not know how to praise God, we're never going to be able to give our fellow men praise nor receive praise ourselves. It is all wrapped up in knowing how to praise God. And if we don't praise God, from whom all blessings flow, we're going to be praising someone else who does not deserve the credit. So it's important for us to think, how do we praise God? How do you praise Him? The way most of us do it is through sound or through noise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. And that is what we are trying to do in worship and throughout all of life. And one of the great thrilling things about being a part of Bakerstown Presbyterian Church is that this is a noisy place. And in the good sense, most of the time. I think when Mr. Ailey begins with, with the prelude at 9.30 over the great carillon, and the chimes, we, we are announcing to this community that we are gathering together to praise God. And I, for one, who am one of the first to arrive here on Sunday morning, am thrilled to see the confusion in the parking lot and people hurrying and scurrying to and from classroom and to worship. That is praise to God. We're making a joyful noise. You know, the psalmist says that we are to be people who are to praise God with the sound of the lute and the heart heart and the, the, the tremble and, and, and the dance and the, the, the cymbals and I like that a loud clashing cymbals. I, I'm always thrilled when we have an orchestra here as a part of our ministry of praise. We're going to have one the Sunday before Christmas. I would love someday to be in a church where there's an orchestra every Sunday. I want to play the loud clashing cymbals. That's praise to God and on Sunday morning from 9.30 until 12.30, this place is a noise of praise. I wish it could be a little more quiet in this room from 10.50 to 11 o'clock. We don't do too well in being quiet, you know, prior to worship. If there's one request I in the session might have would be that prior to our worship and during the playing of the prelude, we could be a little more quiet because that's a form of praise too. But may we never become so conscious, though, that we forget to sing loudly and clearly and noisily the Word of God. There's nothing more discouraging to me, and I get into those situations from time to time where I go to a church and where it's only partially filled and where the people really don't want to sing and where the organist is poorly prepared and the choir is poorly trained and I think I'm singing a solo. You know, the service always reflects whether or not there is praise to God and thanks to God and to us. One of the things we have here is a joyful noise unto the Lord. But that's not the only way of praising God. Singing our hallelujahs and shouting our praise the Lord. That is only one way. There are many other ways, some that are not perhaps as obvious, and I want to point those out today. One is by using our creativity. 
We are praising God. You think about that. Because today you hear an awful lot about people who feel that they are inhibited. People who feel that they are being smothered by this potential power that God has given to them and they cannot creatively express it. The job, at home, at school, and that's too bad. Because you see, God has given us and shared with us the greatest power in the world and that is of creativity. Oh, in a very real sense, we cannot create anything because to create means to make something out of, of nothing and only God can make something out of nothing. But God, making us in His image, has shared with us the opportunity of, be a, of being able to create something out of something. God has given us this His power. Very few of his creations has the ability to create, but we do. God made us to be problem-solving people. Most of us would not have jobs if there were not problems to be solved. We are people who have the power to make things better and more beautiful. And that power comes from God, and God created every one of us here, plus everybody in the whole world, to use his mind and his hand to create beauty and to see those creations and to call them good. Yeah. God expects us to find a problem, be it at home, be it at school, be it at work, wherever it is. He expects us to combine the talent of our brain together with the skill of the hand and to bring forth some new beauty, be it a poem, a picture of art, or a composition. We're to be creative in our friendships, in our relationships with people, in the way we earn money, in the way we serve, solve problems. And the next time, that you use this God-given power to bring reconciliation between friends, to solve a problem, to bring forth a piece of beauty. Praise God, because that's exactly what you are doing. Praising God who has given you this opportunity. You are fulfilling your privilege and praising God. We praise God also when we are attentive, when we are willing to listen. And that, you see, is very difficult for us to do. God gave us the clue when he made these bodies. He gave us two eyes and only one mouth. We're supposed, I think, to see twice what we say. Two ears and only one mouth. We're supposed to hear more than we speak, but oh, what difficulty we have. And oftentimes these mouths that were made to praise God are used only to praise self. Many times coming home late from calling or a meeting or traveling from some speaking engagement, I try to keep awake in the automobile by listening to some of these talk shows. You really can't get anything else on the radio from six o'clock on. They tell me those shows are good for something. I, I haven't found any reason yet myself, but... The thing that keeps me awake and stirred up and uh, really questioning is that I can sometimes never tell 
who's talking and who's listening. Because they use a famous tactic there that you and I are familiar with. And oftentimes, if somebody does not want to regard what he is hearing and has no respect for the person who is saying it, if he does not want to praise what is being presented, he does the same thing we do. He refuses to listen and he just keeps on talking. And sometimes the talker and the talkie are talking and nobody's listening. And there's no praise. Another wonderful thing that I look forward to every Sunday in this church is that moment or moments that we have just prior to the preacher starting his sermon. I watched today as we went through it again. I thrill to no end when I ascend these steps and look out upon you people and there's almost an awesome quietness of listening that falls upon us. And I do appreciate when some of you don't cough and when we hear only the rustling of the pages of God's word as you turn them and as we wait upon the word of God. We're praising him when we do that. We're listening, even though we don't understand, comprehend, sometimes disagree violently. We listen. And you people do me a great honor and I thank you very much and praise you for it as you praise me. When you are willing to listen to the word of God, as I wrestle and struggle and try to understand it and relay that to you. I know many of you do not agree many times. I wouldn't expect you to, but I thank you for not only praising my attempts, but you praise the Word of God who gives me the authority to stand here. Listening. Listening. Observing is a way of praising God. And we don't have to do it with our shouting always, our cheering or our singing, but we do it when we are in silence. And to go back, I would appreciate, prior to our worship service, if we could be a little more silent in listening for the Spirit of God who has come to lead us in worship. And prior to our worship, spend that time waiting and listening. For what Jesus said to Nicodemus was the Spirit of God that comes like the wind. Listen, Nicodemus, listen to the wind. May we participate more in the listening for God's Spirit. Another way of praising God sounds like a way that is not praising to God, but I believe it is, and that is by willing to wrestle with some of those things that we hear and some of those studies that we receive and some of those questions that yesterday were not questions, but now the reality of life has made them such. Most people think that they are really praising God when they say they understand this book when they don't, when they say they agree with what is being said by the Word of God when they don't agree, 
And when they say they will follow, when they have no intention to follow whatsoever, that is not praising God. I think God understands when we don't understand. I think God accepts us even when we don't agree with him and his word. And I think God knows that there are times we do things not because we want to, but because we know it's God's way and will. And when we wrestle with those things and are willing to go only because God says so, we're praising God. I bring this up because I'm facing something in my ministry that I've never seen before, and many, many of you people are involved. Never before in my ministry, ever, have I seen so many people questioning, agonizing, hurting about what they believe. I don't know what's caused it. I think maybe it's a result of our Bethel, as I've tried to analyze it. We've gotten into the world, Word and some of the theories that we thought about the Word have not been found there. We have people wrestling with the will of God. People who are trying desperately to find out the source of evil in the world. People who are troubled with the purpose of prayer. People who are wondering why innocent people suffer and why young people die so young. Yes. There's a lot of agonizing going on on out there and with me too and I make no apology for it because though I feel very sorry for what's happening in some of your lives and though I've had moments of misery too I do not look upon that as being something that causes people to lose their faith or signs that they are losing it but rather that's a praise to God because, ladies and gentlemen, when we don't have all the answers, praise God. Because then, you see, we don't have God in a little box like we would like to have him. We can't dictate what he's going to do. He's God. And all we can do is fall down before him as did his own son and ask why. We are truly being the children of God when we are frustrated agonizing, questioning, and open to the leading of his spirit. So remember that the next time you're having a hard time. Be honest with your feelings and your questions. God understands and we worship him in praise when we're not afraid. To tell him we don't understand. It's hard for us to, to agree and we're doing it not because we want, but because we believe in him. Because you see, this, this really is the heart of praise, the way that we sometimes forget to praise God. And that's by giving him our trust. That's it. When we trust God, even though we don't understand him or agree with him and don't want to do it, but when we trust him, we praise him. Parents, your children are praising you when they trust you. 
And as many parents have found out, they really praise their children the moment they begin to trust their children. And I think one of the reasons why we're having a little difficulty in some homes and in as a nation and in a church is that we don't trust one another. And the reason we don't trust one another is because I think we have forgotten to trust God. In this analytical day when we want all the answers, this pragmatic time when we don't want to fool around, so difficult for us to live in mystery and to trust even that which is mysterious and which we do not understand. See, this is what it's all about. Whether or not you trust God. God doesn't really ask whether or not you understand. And though God loves us, he's really not conducting a poll as our, to our opinion. It really doesn't matter whether we agree or disagree. God knows the game and he knows the rules and he tells us to trust him. And when we trust him, we're praising him and allowing him to praise us. God is not asking us to do anything more than what he has done for us. You realize that's what life is. Life is a trust that God has in you and me. We may not trust God, but God trusts us. Do you realize that? He has trusted us with the world and with his church, with life and with love and with forgiveness. He's trusted us with his money, that we will use it rightly. God's trusted us when he gave us creativity. He trusts us that we will bring about good and evil. You know, you don't have to create good. A second-story burglar or a midnight robber or somebody who devises a plan of dirtiness and ugliness, he's creative, but he does not create for the good. And God knows that when he gave us this power to create, we can create for good or for evil. But he trusts us that we will create for good. God listens to us. Yes. He listens even when we don't make sense. He listens when we're angry. He listens when we are disturbed with Him. He listens to us. God's ears are big and there's nothing wrong with His hearing. He trusts us and allows us to tell Him of the hell we're experiencing. And He doesn't turn us off. He listens. And God agonizes. And he has given us the gift to agonize with him. God has granted us the gift. He didn't make us puppets, nor did he make us dummies. He gave to us minds that are porous, minds that can take in new ideas, minds that are capable of struggling. And God has given us his word and he trusts us that we will find the way through Jesus Christ. And he trusts us with letting us have the freedom to think. And God trusts us by giving us his trust, hoping that we will have enough good common sense to trust him as he has trusted us. 
And he is asking us to trust him and give back to him our creativity, our listening, our struggling, and our trust. And when Jesus says that a man will lose his life if he tries to save it, and he'll gain it if he'll give it, in the name of the gospel, God wants us to believe that and trust. When the word of God says that a man who sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully, he wants us to believe that and trust that word even though we don't understand it. This is the day we signed the pledge card. You know that, and I do too, and I'm not hiding behind any bush. But that's what this is all about. How much are you going to trust and give to God who has given you everything? That decision is up to each one of us. We hear words we don't like to hear. You've had to hear two sermons that you didn't want to hear. I didn't want to preach them either. But heaven help us if we do only those things that we want to do. There are some things that you don't understand, and I don't either, and I haven't been able to help you to understand them. But you either believe the word of God or you don't. And the word of God says he will receive according to as he gives. We don't make a big hoopla around here on Pledge Sunday. Not a lot of letters or phone calls or visitations. We trust one another. Oh, there'll be people who take advantage of that. There always are and always will be and there will be today. But we trust you. Session of this church. We trust one another. And we trust God. We wait upon you now for the gifts which today you bring to God and the indication of trust you have in God. Amen.